It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Today more than ever, it seems like people are emotionally charged, on edge, ready for conflict. It's so easy to get caught up in that energy. According to today's guest, Dr. Christian Conti, anger is natural and we're not wrong or bad for feeling it, but it can lead to acting impulsively with regrettable consequences. Dr. Conti is here today to discuss how we can deal with anger and inflamed emotions. Dr. Conti is a licensed professional counselor, a certified domestic violence counselor, and a certified level five anger management specialist. He was a resident therapist on VH1's Family Therapy, co-host of USA Network's The Secret Life of Kids, and co-host of Spike TV's Coaching Bad with Football Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. He's the author of the book, Walking Through Anger, A New Design for Confronting Conflict in an Emotionally Charged World. Welcome, Dr. Conti. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. What a beautiful introduction. Well, that's your life, so it's all on you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I absolutely love your title, Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, because you empower people to say that the ball is in their court, and that's so true. Yeah, you know, thank you for saying that, because this really, the work that I'm doing came from a major overhaul in my life 10 years ago. And the one important lesson that I learned from everything I experienced is like you said, it's within us. It's, you know, get your head in the game and we have the power. Definitely. Well, you hit on an essential truth. And when it comes to anger and what I'll, we'll talk about today, the reality is that of everyone in the world, you are the only person you can control. Mm -hmm. And so as much energy as we want to focus on what other people should be doing differently or how other people should be thinking or feeling, the reality is we can only change ourselves. So I love it. Well, you know, and you've said, uh, and I thought that this was great, you said that working in this field for 20 years has taught you that the world boils down to two kinds of people, those with issues (laughs) and dead people. And, And that, boy, that is true. So this is such an important <laughs> conversation true. to have because there, every one of us, we have our own issues and we're dealing with people who have issues. So what got you interested in working with anger management? So, you know, I really thought about this. I tried to trace this back. It wasn't so much as a, a, a quick decision as an evolution throughout my life. So imagine this. So I grew up, my, my, my dad was an earth scientist. And I, when I was a haughty teenager, I said to my dad, uh, well, what got you interested in like studying rocks? And and my dad looked at me and he said, well, look, if you're only going to live on one planet your whole life, don't you think you ought to get to know that planet? And I thought that was brilliant. And and later on, when I was in college and I was struggling and lost and kind of looking for the best course of uh, path to follow, I thought about my dad's advice, except I thought, it, thought about it slightly differently. I thought if I'm only ever going to live with me my entire life, why not get to know myself? Um, and that really set me down the path of psychology and introspection and wanting to learn as much as I could about me. So that was one 
kind of a, a moment that I think was a shift as I look back on my life. The other was this, Joan. This was my mom was an English teacher, and she's the m- most kind, loving human being you could meet. In school, she was a st- very strict disciplinarian, and the kids were pretty, I think they're pretty intimidated by her. She's tiny as can be, but I'll tell you this. Right before ninth grade, my mom said to me, now, I went to school where, in the 1980s, where it, it was, it, if you watch an 80s movie where kids circle up and fight, mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So my mom looked at me before I went in ninth grade and she said, I'd better never find out that you ever watched the fight. If you see a fight, you step in and break it up. And when I really reflected on my life, Joan, I realized that she taught me then and there to step into conflict, not away from it. And there is a a, a conscious and a mindful way to handle conflict. But I've always kind of stepped into conflict. I've always been interested in learning, uh, constantly learning. And and then on the, the most recent aspect, Um, maybe 15 years ago, I was doing a study on my yield theory and I went kind of undercover. So I'm a six foot, 250 pound bald guy with tattoos, covered in (laughs) tattoos. (laughs) Honestly, Jonah, I wouldn't be offended if you looked at me and said, oh, you ride a motorcycle, which I do. But still, (laughs) Uh, so I I went in and I did a group for people who were convicted of violent crimes and I sat in the back. um, So they just assumed I was there with them. And I watched how, A, the, the, the guys who were in there, what they had to do is they had to write a letter of accountability. In other words, they had to say what they were sorry for and this and that. Well, I was watching the guys before the group started, and one guy had to do this letter, and the other guys were telling him what to erase and what to write. And he wasn't actually taking accountability. He was just doing what he was supposed to do so that they could bureaucratically have the paperwork. And then the teacher was extremely pejorative. He, he, he was condescending. Some of you are, are, are psychopaths, will never change. And so I thought, well, this isn't right. This whole system, not from their end, not from his end, not just, it's just not right. So I ended up uh, doing a study on my yield theory. It went real well. And then I just took over and I started doing groups for people convicted of violent crimes. And that's really how I kind of got, got into it. Dr. Conti, why do you believe so many people are angry today? I mean, it, you, everywhere you go, whether it be social media, in person, I mean, even the supermarket, it seems like people are ready for a fight. What's happening? Okay, I really believe it comes down to this. Just the way I say there are two kinds of people, I believe there are two worlds that we live in. One world is what I would call the cartoon world. That is our world where we believe that things should happen the way we think that they, we want them to. So we say they, things should be like this. People should be nice to me. When I drive in traffic, people should get out of my way. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I get to work, the boss should acknowledge my work. But then there's the real world. And the real world is the way the world actually is which means people are going to cut you off in traffic and, you know, they're going to be in front of you in that line in the grocery store and your boss might give credit to somebody else. As long as you align your expectations with the cartoon world, the way you think the world should be, you're going to be let down. But here's the catch, Joan, and this is what's powerful. It's not the world that's letting you down because the world is what the world is. It's your own thought. So I teach people to align their expectations with reality. The more prepared we are for reality, the more we will be able to handle it. But when you ask the question, why are people so angry? I believe quite simply and directly, we have a world where people are more and more caught up in their cartoon world. People should believe what I believe. They should think what I think. And that's a huge problem. And once you realize people don't always do what you want them to do, and that really is okay, 
and you're okay, then you have a much better chance to not be reactive. Okay, so understanding what causes us to be reactive, when we feel ourselves getting overwhelmed with anger, what are a few strategies that can help us really take control of that emotion? Okay, so I love that question. Neuroscience has taught us an awful lot. And in 2019, we're still not, we're not, we don't want to operate off information from 1950. And what we know now is this, you know, old anger management advice used to be, well, count to 10 and walk away. Well, unfortunately, we've learned the reality of things like seething rage. In other words, for some people, when they walk away, their mind, if you've ever had the experience where you were arguing with someone, maybe you went away to work for the day and you come back at the end of the day and you're angrier, even though no new information happened, Mm -hmm. it's basically that seething rage. In your mind, you kept spiraling, going deeper and deeper with it. And then by the end of the day, you're furious. So if someone has seething rage and you tell them to count to 10 and walk away, they're going to count to 10 and just get angry and come back and explode worse. Right. So we need to be mindful about this whole old wives tales about what, what works and what doesn't. Here, here's what I think absolutely works. There will be a beginning, middle, and end to every emotional experience we ever have. And the more mindful we can be that there will be a beginning, middle, and end to every experience we have, the more we understand that people see our actions, not our intentions, And so our emotions are going to come and go, but our actions, they can't be undone. The more we understand those two crucial pieces of advice, the better in that moment we can begin to tell ourselves, let's come back to the concept, change your attitude, change your life. we, We begin to tell ourselves, look, I'm angry right now. It's extremely uncomfortable. It's not the end of the world. This anger will pass, but what I do in this moment will not be able to be undone. Now, when we start to approach the moment, we understand this feeling's not going to last forever. So it's basically having a different conversation with yourself. In the first example of step away and calm down, that's when you're feeding yourself the story of the rage. But what you're saying then is to rewrite the story, to understand your emotions and your actions, and to become mindful of your behavior. 100%, 100%. And, and look, we are the only people that we can control. So it does come back time and again to what we say. I love when you use the word story because we create a narrative. One of the, I think, most powerful teachings that I share with people is this. I've really discovered this throughout the last 20-some years, and that is our mind always wants to match our body. So in many cases, we talk about self-talk and it's the thoughts that we have drive our emotions, and they most certainly do. They don't determine our emotions because there are times you might have really pure, wonderful thoughts, but let's say you have a really bad stomach ache, and now that starts to impact you. Or maybe you're struggling with uh, physiological anxiety or physiological depression. So it's not necessarily always you just say a magic word and things are going to be better. And when your mind wants to match your body, here's what happens. If your body's agitated, if your body's irritable, and you're not mindful of what your self-talk is, you'll begin to create a story, a narrative to match that uncomfortable body. So let let me make, maybe this will be a good, clear example. Joan, let's say you and I down three energy drinks really quickly. Mm-hmm. And we down three energy drinks really quickly. Our heart's going to go fast. Our body's going to be shaking a little bit. And we're going to feel physically anxious. And here's what's going to happen. For busy people like you and me, we might start saying, oh, no, did I forget to do this? Was I supposed to be here? Uh, oh, I, I forgot I was going to do this later. And so we start to create a, a narrative of an anxious story. Well, 
imagine the same thing is true when you're feeling very irritable and very and, and agitated. If you create a story to match that, it might very well be my loved one didn't listen to me last week and, and I never did finish that conversation. And, and now you start to ruminate and allow your narrative to become one of anger rather than one of the observer, just recognizing, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's not the end of the world. So this technique would help us become skilled at controlling our own anger. But what about the hot-headed people in our life? Could the same approach help us diffuse a situation when we face their anger? It does, and I absolutely love that question because so the, the essence of what I've done, I've created something called yield theory. And yield theory is it's about meeting people where they are, attempting to see the world from their perspective. And so I think that in life, in life, we're, it's easy for us to be skeptical of others, right? We, if we see somebody that says something and we don't agree with it, boy, we're skeptical of it. Where did they get this info? I don't believe that. I don't buy into that. But what's fascinating is this, Joan. As much as everyone out there, every listener out there knows that we all have more to learn. As long as we're alive, we have more to learn. But the moment someone disagrees with us, first thing we do, we shut down. We, we're, we're trying to tell them what we're seeing. We're not seeking to listen. And, and we're not very skeptical of our own thoughts. So it's easy to be skeptical of others, difficult to be skeptical of ourselves. So I tell you all that to say this. When I look back and thought, what do I really do? 20,000 hours, I'm sitting down with people. What do I do? I wanted to be skeptical, not just of others, but of myself. So I thought, what are the core actions of what I actually do? So I used to tell people, I just sit in the chair and talk to people. What you do with it is up to you. So I realized I do three things. And these are the things that we do when we encounter loved ones, anyone with anger, anyone with anger. I want you to do these three things. Listen, validate, explore options. Now, listen, as easy it is to say those three things, but the challenge is how do we listen? How do we validate? How do we explore options? And, and, and I, I want to make that make sense. If somebody starts being angry at us, for whatever reason, the first thing we do, we seek to defend ourselves. See, yield theory, yield theory is all about getting around people's defensiveness. And if I'm defending myself, I'm not getting around their defensiveness. So if I genuinely listen, and not just listen to what they say, but to how they say it, now I can validate them. Wow, it sounds like you're really upset with this or... Let me, see, you know, I can see what you're saying. Not, I, I'm not saying I understand. I don't fully understand someone else's perspective, but I'm trying. And then lastly, explore options. So where do we go from here? How do we handle this from this moment forward? I know in my life when I get very angry, one of the biggest things that bothers me the most is when I don't feel like I'm being heard. And so I can see how with your approach, it could make you feel like the other person is trying to understand and empathize and sympathize. And that would diffuse the situation. Yes. And it's so it's exciting. I appreciate you saying that so much because it's so actually exciting. And the truth is, we do want to be heard. When we're angry, we want to be heard. The, pr the challenge for a lot of people is when that person wants to be heard, we want to be explaining ourselves when the truth is, if we would just take time to listen, really hear what they're saying, and then validate that. And validate doesn't mean condone it. Validate doesn't mean, oh, okay, I agree with you. No, I'm saying I'm acknowledging what you're saying. I'm acknowledging how you're feeling. And now we're going to, then we can move into where do we go from here? This isn't establishing a right or wrong. It's just listening to each other and, and trying to understand each other. Exactly. So I'll get people to say, well, well, then I guess I just have to give in to whatever they want. And right. I, not at all. Not even a little bit. 
I'm, me acknowledging what you're saying doesn't mean I'm going to adopt your philosophy or agree with you. I'm saying, look, at it, it, the heart of it, the heart of it is this. I, I love, I, I, as for fun, I, I study a lot of neurology, and I know a lot of neurologists out there would cringe if I made this so simple because the truth is our brain is complicated. It is. It's complex. The whole brain is involved in all things. But if we really kind of give you a, a, just a, a basic visual, the center of our emotions is kind of seated in the middle of our brain, whereas our higher level thinking. So you and I talking right now, the way we're having an intellectual discussion, your listeners out there listening to this, if we put a, a brain image over a, a brain scan on them, the front part of your brain, your higher level thinking is activated right now. But when we're emotional, that center part of the brain is activated. So really quite simply, it's this. When someone's angry and you're trying to get them to see a different perspective, if you're talking at their frontal cortex when they're in their emotional system, the limbic system, then you're not actually communicating with them. It's like speaking a different language. But once you can validate them and get that energy out, now their brain is prepared to hear the message that you want to share with them. So Dr. Conti, you mentioned that you've been doing work with prison inmates. Tell us about this work and what types of changes have you seen? Well, I've seen profound changes. One of the things I'll do with inmates and officers is talk about a puppet, a marionette. Now imagine if we're pulling the strings on that marionette and we're making the puppet dance this way and that way. And I do that in front of, you know, some of the toughest people in the world. I say, this sounds silly, right? A puppet. But how many of you have had your day going one way? And then all of a sudden, someone comes along and says or does something, and now you're angry. Well, guess what? In that moment, they just controlled you like a puppet. You allowed yourself to be a puppet. So my question to you is, do you want to continue to be a puppet to others, or do you want to be in control of your own life? Again, change your attitude, change your life. So now I say to guys, okay, instead of, because a lot of inmates, a lot of arguments come because someone says something, now someone has to say something back. And what I try to teach is maintain control of you no matter what others say, because people don't say things about you. They say what's inside of them. And that's important to understand because then you don't have to be reactive. And so the truth is we know that we master what we practice. If we want to be good at basketball, we have to practice basketball. So I I stood in front of the, the inmate population and I said, look, at the end of everyone's life, if you've ever sat with someone in hospice, what do we know people want? They don't say, oh, I wish I would have hurt more people. They say, I wish for peace. Like, they want peace. And if we all know that our final moments are going to come at some point, and we all know that we're going to want peace, then we master what we practice. If we want peace, we have to practice peace. So I started a movement on three things. One was inner peace. Two was education. It's not just about learning books. That's wonderful. That's great. In fact, there's a great new book called Walking Through Anger that's coming out. <laughs> but, but it's also, when I, say, when I say education, I say personal growth, like constantly learning about yourself your entire life. And then three, it is, so inner, inner peace, education, and then legacy. And I say this, the past is gone. We can't change a second of it. Future has not yet been written. All we have control over is the present moment. We are creating a legacy, like it or not, and our legacy is created as long as we're alive. It's all a part of our story. So you don't have to define yourself by what led to this moment. You can start to create your new legacy from this moment forward. The book is Walking Through Anger, a new design for confronting conflict in an emotionally charged world. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. Conti and his work, you can visit drchristianconti.com. That's D-R, drchristianconti.com. Dr. Conti, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I want to leave your listeners with this. If you 
want peace, you've got to practice peace. It takes effort, but it's worth the effort. Dr. Conti, thank you so much for joining us and for providing strategies that can help us manage anger, ours and from others. So as I said, it, you know, it seems like we're living in a supercharged world today and what you teach can have a profound impact on our relationship and our daily life. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.